0: There's nothing worth more That could ever come close No thing can compare You're our living hope Your presence, Lord I've tasted and seen sweetest of loves when well, my heart becomes free and my shame is out. tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves when my heart becomes free and my shame is up Because
1: Man, thank you, Sarah. This is certainly a first for me, uh, for everyone watching uh, live on Facebook. I've never preached to an empty auditorium before, but uh, this is something we're going to do next week as well. I've talked to our deacon leadership, and because of the uh, rise in COVID cases in the county, uh, we feel like it's the smartest and safest thing to do is just to do the online. Online service for this Sunday and next Sunday. Thankfully, we have the options to be online. You also can come to the uh, parking lot if you want to be on campus. But we do feel like this is the best thing to do. Uh, our church, I think, has been very safe and very cautious during this this whole uh, pandemic season, and uh, we we want to continue to do that. So if you get upset, you can get upset at your preacher. It's okay. Um, I'm sure you've been mad at me before, but uh, we want to welcome you. We want to tell you that we love you, and I'm going to open. I want to thank Sarah for being here uh, this morning and uh, singing for us. And, uh, but I want to start us off with prayer, and then Sarah's going to come back and sing, and then I'm going to preach a short message and hope everyone has a blessed day. Father. As we come to you in prayer. We want to thank you, Lord, for your grace and for your mercy. Father, we lift up all those who have this illness and other illnesses. Father, we pray for healing. We pray for their families as well. Uh, Father, I want to thank you for this church. For the wisdom of the leadership in this church and thank you lord for how you've blessed this church during this time father we've been incredibly blessed and we want to thank you for that and we don't want to take that for granted father i pray for everyone watching today that lord you'd speak to their hearts thank well, lord we're so thankful that we have the capabilities to be at home or be at the beach or wherever we are and still have church and um with each other, and Lord, this is not a permanent thing, it's just something that we, we it's just a season we're in, and Father, we just pray that you would continue to help us, and give us, uh, Lord, the wisdom to make the right decisions, and uh, Father, we've never been to this type of place before, but Father, we're just so thankful for how you've, you've moved uh, in our midst, and Father, I pray that if there's anyone today that's watching, that's lost, I pray that they'd be saved, Father, for your honor and for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you so much Sarah. I'm going to ask you if you have your Bibles to turn to Psalm chapter 19. Last week we talked about this thought that God is speaking and we looked at creation. And that we talked about last week. That's God's general revelation. And one thing about creation speaking is this. Is that God is speaking continually. He's speaking globally. And he's speaking intellectually if, if I could say that. Which means this. You can know God from just creation. I'm not saying a person can be saved just by knowing God from creation but a person can know God just from creation. And today we're going to talk about how God speaks through his special revelation which is this book I'm holding in my hand. What an amazing book. Most amazing book ever written. It's the best seller. Verse 7 says this, God speaking through David about his word, the law of the Lord is perfect converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, much than much fine gold, sweeter than honey and the honeycomb. Father, as we come to you in prayer, we want to thank you for your word. Father, we pray that you'd bless this time. And Father, for those of us that are born again, I pray that we'd make a fresh commitment to read your word every day. Lord, it it converts the soul. It rejoices the heart. Father, your word is true. It's the only source of truth that we have in the world that we can really put our faith and trust in. And, Father, it's going to endure for all time. And So, Father, we want to thank you, Lord, that we have the opportunity not only to read the word, but to hear it sung, as Sarah is so beautifully saying, but, Lord, also to preach it, to teach it, to listen, and to learn and grow. Father, And we're to desire this uh, as a baby does milk is what Peter told us. And Father, I pray that we would. Father, we want to tell you that we love you today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The word Bible comes from the Greek term meaning books or book. The Bible is God's written revelation of his will to humanity. We're surrounded by Bibles. I probably have 75 Bibles on my phone. I have a, uh, an app on my phone that has over, I think over probably 110 translations on it. The Gideons have an app now that has it in so many different languages. We have Bibles everywhere. uh, Some interesting stats So about 88 to 92 percent of every American household has at least one Bible. When I was growing up, we didn't go to church, but we had a family Bible. 80 percent think the Bible is sacred. The average household has about 4.4 Bibles. If they do read it, the majority, 57%, say they only read their Bibles four times a year or less. 26% of Americans say they read their Bibles on a regular basis, which is four more times a week. Younger people, a majority of 57% of those ages, 18 to 28, read their Bibles less than three times a year, if at all. This book is remarkably unified. It directs our attention to one person, and from Genesis to Revelation, it screams on every page just about that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's 66 books. 1,189 chapters, 31,102 verses. Every word is inerrant, infallible, authoritative, sufficient. Are God's words for eternal life. Why would we proclaim any, anything else? Over 50 authors wrote this book over covering over 2,000 years. You cannot say the Bible is God's word and then add, but this part isn't true and other parts are. It is infallible. Our belief here is that it, about the Bible as we affirm the Bible's inspiration. It's inerrancy, it's authority, it's historicity, it's veracity, and it's sufficiency in all things. All we do here is preach the Bible, teach the Bible. When we had BBS, we talked about the Bible. Everything here is about the Bible because it's the only source of tr- truth in the world. It's the only way we know Jesus. The only way we can know God is through His Word. And there are five things I'm going to talk about real quickly this morning about God's Word from Psalm 19. And the first one is this, God's Word converts. Notice the, the verse... Says God's word is perfect. Notice the word perfect, converting the soul. Notice the word perfect in the Hebrew. It's this word means, the Hebrew word means it's perfect, not as opposed to imperfect, but perfect as opposed to incomplete. So that is to say that scripture, this law of the Lord, leaves nothing out. It's the idea that it lacks nothing, but more importantly, that it possesses everything. One lexicon put it this way: it is all-sided. So as to cover all aspects of something. Another way to say something, to say that. That is nothing should be taken from it or should be added to it. I'm reminded of what Revelation 22 says. The Lord speaking says this: I want everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll. If anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. And if anyone takes words away from this scroll prophecy, God will take away from that person any share of the tree of life in the holy city which are described in this scroll. Who do you think you are to tell God what is right and what is wrong? Everything you need as a Christian and all that God spoke is in this book. You don't need the Book of Mormon. It's false. The Koran is false. The New World Translation of no, the Jehovah's Witnesses is false because God says everything, look, the law of the Lord is perfect. There's nothing else to add or take away from this book. It is perfect. It is complete. That word perfect means sound, complete in relation to life and to, and to God. It is complete. You don't need anything else. Peter put it this way, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And this perfect word, law of the Lord, converts the soul. Look at the word for converting. That means to bring back. That means to breathe life into. That means your soul, God will convert your soul. The word for soul in the Hebrew is nepesh, the inner person. Yourself, your soul, your person, your heart, your mind. It is always your soul, and it always means the inner person. This is why reading the Bible for yourself is so important, because it will refresh and convert your soul. That's why we preach the Bible and we don't have to get emotional. We don't have to add things to God's Word, because God's Word alone is perfect and it converts the inner being, that part of you that is real, that is eternal, that part of you that medicine can't touch, that other things can't help or heal, God's Word can, because His Word is perfect and it converts the soul. Look at that verse. Think about how amazing that is. Think about how God can change your life by converting, refreshing, breathing life into your soul by reading this book. Isn't that amazing what God will do? Why would you not read the Bible? I don't understand people that don't read the Bible, even a little bit at a time. One one pastor put it this way, so here is God's testimony. Scripture is totally comprehensive, so as to transform the whole inner person, that's amazing. That's mind-blowing. That's life-changing. Nothing else can do that. You may have a favorite TV program, but it can't do nothing to your soul. It may do a lot for your heart and your head and your feelings, but it can't touch your soul. The scripture, utterly sufficient for the transformation, restoration, for the perfection, the conversion, the salvation of the inner person. The Bible is always targeting the soul. And when the soul is transformed, transform, behavior follows in a righteous pattern. That's why Peter says, a New Testament kind of parallel to this is First Peter 1, being born again. Not by corruptible seed, but by incorruptible, by the Word of God. And this is the Word by which the gospel is preached unto you. Transformation, new birth, regeneration comes by the Word of God. Paul told Titus, We are washed by the regenerating power of the Word. The Word is a transforming power. I need to remind us all, it's not the mechanics of the preacher, it's not the skill of the preacher, it's not the cleverness of the preacher, it's not the strategy, it's not the slick packaging, it's the Word. It is the Word. What an amazing statement. If you want your inner person totally transformed, this is the work of God, and only the Word of God can do that. Why would you not read this book? Why would you not? It's amazing to me. Not only that, not only does God's Word convert, and I'm talking about the soul, the part of you that you can't change, God's Word gives wisdom. Notice verse 7 again. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Look at the word sure, and then look at the words wise and simple. An amazing verse. Amazing verse. This is the difference between spiritual growth and a person who literally will end up in a cult. Look at the words wise and simple and the word sure. The word sure means no exaggeration. They are sure. God is not exaggerating. God doesn't have to. God's not like Baptist preachers. He <laughs> don't have to exaggerate. Everything here is sure. The Bible is sure. It is inerrant. It is sure. God is trustworthy. His word is sure. All of the millions of books in libraries, there's only one that is sure and that is this one. You can trust his word. Follow it. You don't need to edit it. You don't need to take things out of it. You just need to follow it. Peter put it this way in another portion of Scripture. He says, And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, sure, which you do well to heed, as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Look at the word simple. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise, you want to be wise, the simple. In the Hebrew word, this is a bad word, simple. Notice, the little word simple of the Hebrew language comes from a root word that means an open door. A simple-minded person was somebody whose mind was always open, and if somebody came along and said, oh, I have an open mind, a Jewish person is liable to say, well, shut it, because that's an indication that you don't know what to retain and what to let go Because their door is always open. You have a door to discriminate against falsehood. That's what every door is for, to let someone in and to keep someone out. If I'm in my office and I'm with someone and my door is shut, no one can come in. A simple-minded person, the door is always open. Their their ideas about religion are always open. Truth is a closed door. That's how you get wise. Two plus two is four. A simple-minded person with an open mind would say, well, maybe not. 2 plus 2 may be 7, it may be 11, it may be 15, but a wise person is going to say, no, we have truth. It's sure 2 plus 2 is 4. The simpleton was a person who had not enough discernment or discrimination or knowledge or understanding or wisdom to know what to accept and what to reject. The Word of God will teach you how to close the door. It will teach you how to be wise. Listen to what Proverbs says. The simple believes every word he's told. The simple person believes everything. You can't believe everything. You have to believe the truth. That's why Paul told the church at Corinth that we should take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. That's why Peter said, as babies desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow. Look at the word wise. to common in the Hebrew. It means skilled in all aspects of living. It will train you to be skilled in all aspects of living. What else could you possibly want? You want deeper knowledge of God? Then read his word. Read his word. It's how you handle life. Read the Bible and be wise. Don't be a simple-minded person. Not only that, but God's Word, number three, brings joy. Notice what the Bible says in verse 8. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The statutes of the Lord are right. Look at the word right. Not right as opposed to wrong in the Hebrew, but the right path. They lay out the right path. The Word is a lamp. The Word is a light, but it's also a path. This is the way to walk in it. There's a way that seems right to man, but the end thereof is death. But God has a path. Take A path. I know people my age. I'm 51. And if you go to the courthouse on Monday, if they're having court now, there will be guys my age at court. Still going to court over things that we did when we were teenagers. They're on the wrong path. God's word will put you on the right path. The statutes of the Lord are right. You're going to be going down the right road. There's a word in the Hebrew called shagah, which means to go astray, to go off the path. What that means was Solomon would use that word to talk about men especially. He said, as a bird leaves its nest, so does a man leave his way. He goes shagah, he goes off the path. In Deuteronomy, it says, cursed is anyone who makes another stray. Proverbs five twenty three it's talking about causing a person to go off the wrong path. Proverbs 5.23 says, He shall die without instruction in the greatness of his folly. He shall go astray. He's on the wrong path. Proverbs 28 says this, Whoever causes the upright to go astray in an evil way, he himself will fall into his own pit. The Bible causes you to go on the right path. The statutes of the Lord are right. And because of that, because you're on the right path, the Bible says it rejoices the heart. Isn't it amazing that this book will touch your soul and it will rejoice your heart? Why would a person not read the Bible? I just don't understand that. Look at the word joy or rejoicing. The doctrines of Scripture create a right path, a way to think, a way to walk that produces joy. True joy comes from following God's Word. Isn't it amazing? This book is amazing. Jeremiah 15, 16 says this. Everybody rejected Jeremiah. Everybody rejected the Word of God through him. But he said this to God. Your words were found and I did eat them and your Word was in me and the joy and rejoicing of my heart became. He found joy. He was the only one who obeyed the word and everybody disobeyed. Everyone rejected him. Threw him in a pit but the word of God brought him joy. During Paul's deepest darkest days he was still rejoicing because he had joy in God's word. Jesus said this, happy are those who hear the word and obey it. That's real happiness. That's genuine bliss. Genuine joy. Imagine facing eternity without God's word. This book can make wise the simple make wise the simple It's true, it will convert the soul, and it brings true lasting joy in your heart. What an amazing book. And then fourthly, God's word is clear. Notice what verse 8 says, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Look at the word pure. It means clear, lucid, that is to say that that it's not to confuse you, this is to eliminate your confusion. It's to have guidelines, the Word of God here. There just aren't any cultural barriers to God's Word. God's Word is pure. It is clear. It is lucid. Anyone can understand it. I remember preaching God's Word and sharing my testimony when I was in uh, the Philippines. We went over there and did a medical mission. I led the basketball um, mission side of it. Dr. Falconberry and Dixie led the medical side of it. And we would play basketball while well, they'd do a medical clinic. And at the halftime, I would share my testimony and talk about God's Word. And I remember being on a, a leagueway island. We called it Gillian's Island. It was a really small island. And they had a power at night for about three hours. They had a generator. They had a basketball court, though, and those guys were really good at basketball. But they also had a little jail cell there, just one, a one-room cell. I wish I had a picture of it. And I said, why is this cell here? And it says, because the men would get so rowdy at night that the only way to, to protect themselves and protect others was throw them in a jail cell. So they had them in that little jail cell, which was just out in the open. It was just looked like an outhouse. And I remember preaching, and I said this. I said, God's Word will keep you out of that jail cell. And all those guys got really quiet, every one of them. And I said, how many of you guys have been in the jail cell? All them basketball players. All of them but about two raising their hands. I said, do you like it? And through the translator, they said no. And I said, well, Jesus will keep you out of there. Place your faith and trust in Jesus. Repent of your sin, because God's Word is so clear. God's Word is right. And not only that, but the last thing is this. God's word is convicting. Look at verses 9 and 10. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether, more desired than gold, yea, much more than fine gold. Look at the word true. When the Bible renders a verdict, it is true. Its verdicts are true. Its judgments are always perfectly true, absolutely true, absolutely dependable. It's amazing. If you go to Ezekiel 26 and Ezekiel 28, the Bible predicts, to the day, the destruction of the city of Tyre. Tyre. The Bible predicts in Nahum chapter 1, the destruction of the city of Nineveh, which was a massive, fortified city, a great city. The Bible predicted to the date, Israel's captivity in the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, and the amount of years that they would be in captivity and and the release date. The Bible talks about Jesus. It talks about Jesus coming back, and He will come back. It produces what it means. It produces comprehensive righteousness. All the statutes... And the judgments of the Lord are true. Martin Luther said this. The Bible is alive. It speaks to me. It has feet. It runs after me. It has hands. It lays hold of me. Augustine, one of the great early theologians from northern Africa, I believe, was by his own uh, admission a very immoral person. Very smart person, though. One of the smartest men of his day. And he said that he came to Romans chapter 13. And he said it's almost like somebody was telling him, take up that scroll I think they had a scroll back then. It might have been in book shape by then. And then read it. And he said he does what we all do. Just opens it up and he comes up. Romans 13. And listen to what the word of God said to his heart. This is what he read. Besides this you know the time, that the hour has come for you to wake from your sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand, so let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. He read that and guess what God did? Convicted his soul and converted his soul. And because of that, we have one of the great theologians. I don't agree with everything he says, but the guy was super smart, but he's with the Lord now. Because he picked up this book, It's like the Holy Spirit told him to pick it up and he started reading just a few verses and God converted his soul. One of the greatest things you can do for your life, personally speaking, is read this book. Nobody can do that for you. Nobody can. Nobody can force you to sit down and read. It's amazing how how we make these um, commitments in our life. I made a commitment two years ago to lose weight lost 45 pounds. If I can do that, can I not read a Bible a little bit during the day? I mean, think about that. Some of you have done so great on your weight loss journeys. You get up early and you do all these workouts. That's wonderful for yourself. Good for you. Or you go on this diet or that diet or you make a commitment to do this or that or the other. Why don't you put a little time and effort in God's Word and see what happens to your soul? See, See, the only thing that can touch your soul is the Holy Spirit through God's Word. The only thing that can touch your soul. The real part of you that nobody sees. That part of you that only God can change. I would encourage you today to make a commitment, whatever that looks like for you. Some days you may not have a lot of time, but we can all make time to spend time in God's Word. I would encourage you to. You have it on your phone, your iPad, your computer, you have it in book form. I mean, we just have God's Word everywhere. Just make a commitment to read God's Word. It's the most life-changing thing after salvation that you'll ever do. It's amazing. This book is so amazing. Every bit, I believe every bit of it. Every bit of it. It's, it's, the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's an amazing book. I have probably 200 books on my Kindle app now. I've read probably seven books this year, fiction books this year. But I read the Bible every day. I, spend more time in the, I try to spend more time in this book than I do with weights or than I do with other books because this book is life-changing. Those books are interesting. This book can convert your soul. And I would encourage you to do that. Make a commitment for yourself. Teenagers, studies show you don't read much of the Bible. How is your life? Make a commitment to read God's Word. Start in Psalms. Start in the Gospels. Just start somewhere. And if you never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I would encourage you to repent of your sin, And place your faith and trust in the resurrected Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible says that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you ever placed your faith and trust in Christ? I'm not talking about taking communion. I'm not talking about being sprinkled as a baby. Or being immersed through baptism in a Baptist church. I'm talking about have you ever placed your faith and trust in Jesus? When I was 20 years old, I bowed the knee to Jesus Christ and confessed Him as Lord and Savior. And I pray that you would do that as well. Whosoever, that's not the prayer you pray. Just, I think the night I got saved, I said, Jesus, I'm lost. I need to be saved. That was the prayer I prayed, you know, and just place my faith and trust in Christ. And I pray that you would do that. Let's pray together. Father, as we come to you in prayer, we want to thank you, Lord, for this amazing book. I want to thank you that I belong to a church that believes the book. That, Lord, we don't stand over it, we stand under it. And that, Father, you come alive through the pages of this book. It's It's living and active, the writer of Hebrews tells us. Father, it converts the soul. That's still amazing to me. It makes wise the simple. Lord, it gives us joy. It rejoices the heart. Lord, every promise you've made, according to that last point, is true, and it's going to be true throughout eternity. And Jesus is coming back. Father, I pray that we would be ready. Lord, help us to make a commitment today to read your word. And Lord, if anyone's lost today, I pray that you would save them for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, and all of God's people say together, amen. Well, God bless you. I hope everyone has a great Sunday. And once again, I want to tell our church, thank you for your patience with us. But we will have this same type church service Excuse me, next Sunday, and that's not up for debate. You don't have to call me uh, about that. We're just gonna do that. We feel like it's the safest thing to do. And pray that everyone has a safe and blessed Sunday. God bless you. And you're you're dismissed. <laughs>